Welcome to the Let's Talk Money and More podcast with me, Leslie Thomas. The aim of the podcast is to get us all talking about money more. Talking about money is still considered to be a taboo. We don't talk about money enough. Women don't talk about money enough. And that needs to stop. In this podcast, my guests and I talk about money, mindset, and how to turn around limiting beliefs, allowing you to develop a healthy, wealthy money mindset. Our relationship with money doesn't just affect our finances, but impacts every aspect of our business. And most of all, our own sense of self-value and self-worth. By mastering your mindset, you can in turn master the money you make in your business. Welcome to the latest episode of the Let's Talk Money and More podcast with me, Leslie Thomas. And today is a guest episode. And I'm really looking forward to the conversation I'm going to have with Linda Lemos. Linda is a George Washington University graduate who has worked and studied her whole life. She has unique work experience in entertainment, retail, construction, education, finance, and legal. She is an accomplished paralegal and has worked for many Fortune 500 companies and Fortune 1000 companies as a legal consultant. She is an executive producer and host of her own podcast called Linda Loves Talks. She focuses on career talks as well as business, health, legal, and music. When she is not busy on her podcast, she loves being a guest speaker for many colleges and universities, giving motivational and academic discourses. Welcome to the podcast, Linda. Thank you very much for agreeing to come on. I am so looking forward to our conversation. Thank you so much. It is such an honor to be on your show. I'm actually a fan of your show. That's brilliant to hear. Thank you very, very much. So I'm going to ask you the same question I ask all my guests. What is your money story? I love this question because when I first logged into uh, your podcast and tuned into your podcast, I really thought, okay, this is like, I'm just going to hear the story of nothing but millionaires and millionaires and how they inherited money, how they came into money. And once I started listening to your podcast, I realized that it was so much more than that. It wasn't just about showing off or showing off the money that you had versus the money that other people don't have or anything like that. It was more about your um, financial and your money confidence and your growth with regards to money and your money um, history. And your relationship with money. And then um, I listened to a few of, of your podcasts, quite a, plenty of them. And some of them were very, um, I was very surprised. But with regards to my money story, my money story starts actually not with money or my own job. My money story starts with, I was, I knew work before I knew money. And I'll explain that with uh, my parents. I am a first generation American here in the United States and my parents immigrated from the country of Uruguay, which is a small country that is located in South America. Mm -hmm. And during at that time, they tried different means um, to make 
uh, ends meet in Uruguay. And um, they just couldn't, they just couldn't do it. They couldn't survive. Um, towards the end, you know, they had to have moved, they moved in with my grandparents. And it was one, two, five people in a one bedroom apartment. And my mom was like, I've had enough. Like, we need to figure this out. Like, it's, um, and the economy in that country is slower and it's a different type of country. Um, the weekly salaries are unheard of. So mm. people live on, um, salaries of every 15 days, uh, which anyone, anyone, even those who have a high salary, 15 days sometimes it's a bit of a stretch. You have to budget very hard. So imagine not being paid a large salary and still have to survive on 15 days. So they did the whole process to come to this country. Uh, and luckily, you know, it was legally. And I had wonderful uncles that were able to be sponsors and so on. Um, however, my parents came here. Um, I think it was a late that it was part in the late 70s. And when they did, they uh, came to work for whatever job they could find. And their starting salary was two and three dollars an hour. Golly. Yeah, two and three dollars an hour. And they also had a debt because they had to pay back. They had borrowed money in order to obtain uh, plane tickets and so forth to come to the United States. And they had to pay all that money back. Um, luckily, I hadn't been born yet. So this was my parents, my three older siblings. I have three brothers. And um, I was born three years after their arrival to the United States. I have to bring that in the background so that people can understand um, or have some type of uh, perspective. Um, so I was three, four years old. My parents, even when three days after I was born, my parents always took me to work. So my mom couldn't have time off. And in those type of salaries and those type of positions that you have, you don't have something called family leave or anything like that. So my mom, like my dad wanted to keep her home for a little bit, but he soon realized that with one small salary, um, he wouldn't Too be hard. able to afford and a, and a meager salary. He wouldn't be able to afford um, four children and his wife. So my mom went back to work and I just remember um, being three, four years old and going to work with my parents. They had no babysitters. Um, there was no one to really care um, for the four of us. So the four of us would go to work and my parents, what they did was they cleaned, um, offices and they cleaned, um, movie theaters, they cleaned office, clean movie theaters. And on the weekends or so, I believe they did the newspaper route. Uh, so I just remember like waking up really early. I, and I, sometimes I think they did the newspaper route early in the mornings, Monday through Friday. So I just went and remember waking up really early. We had a station wagon the old school one, which had that seat in the back where you climbed in the back. Yeah. So I, that was my seat before there were seat belts and, and there was no seat belts or, you know, any of that. I remember those days. <laughs> yes. So I climbed in the back and I would help sort and like um, the newspapers. That's what I remember. And like my other two brothers would like ride up and down, like walk up and down the, the streets with the newspapers as my dad would like drive. And I also remember as a kid um, going to the movie theaters and going to clean. So it's like really late. We were the only ones there. And my job as a four-year-old okay, was to pick up the paper cups that were left behind and the popcorn buckets. So that's, you know, I learned to work very early on. And but that's the way my parents were. That's what helped me have good work ethic. Yeah. 
and a strong work ethic. And my mom, it was really great. She never sugarcoated anything. She was like, listen, and, and she had retail jobs and I went to her retail jobs with her and I went to her fast. She also worked in fast food restaurant. And I worked, I went to work with her or I would sit. The boss wouldn't let me be like actually like where the burgers were being served or anything like that. I would sit like in one of the booths and I would like color, or bring homework or whatnot. Um, and I came more, my mom worked at a retail store. And um, the, her boss would like let me stay there, but I'm so well behaved. I, I had no other choice to be built well behaved. My mom never sugarcoated things. She said, Linda, you have to be good. You know, just color, do some homework, learn, read. Um, because this is how I, this is called work. And this is what I have to do in order to provide the basic needs for you, like your roof and our food and your clothes. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, but I mean, it, it was fun because um, a lot of her coworkers, you know, one thing that's wonderful about retail is that retail really brings people together. Mm-hmm. There's such a wonderful camaraderie in retail that you don't see in many other industries. And um, her coworkers would pass by and they would take me on their lunch breaks to kind of help my mom and like relieve. So I was on break all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what's this 15 minute break? Great. And they would like go and like grab me a drink or grab me a pretzel. Cause you know, the Kmart at that time, those retail stores had like a little like restaurant or whatnot. So I, I was having fun and like I became so, I feel like I was being raised by the, by the retail family, really. Um, you know, when it came to my birthday or Christmas, they would pass by, they would um, bring me gifts because also remember in retail, you get your, Discount, employee discount. So I was, you know, as a kid, I was banking in. I was like, yes. One of the best Christmases I ever had, my mom uh, worked a lot, but she didn't have any extra to have, you know, your typical um, luxurious um, Christmas that many Americans have. Um, she didn't even have money for a tree. So she walked in the, in the back, grabbed a few branches, sprayed it with like silver paint, threw some tinsel on it, grabbed wooden little soldier decorations from like the dollar store. And she was like, there's your tree. <laughs> so upset. I was like, Brian, I was like, we don't even have a Christmas tree. Oh. But that, but it was very miraculous because that year, like all her coworkers, I don't know how they do. They like knocked on the, on my mom's door and they, and they dropped off presents. So that was like really nice and very sweet. And I still remember that Chris, that Christmas. And I still have pictures of that. Yeah. 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 And then as I was growing up, I grew up in um, Orange, New Jersey. I spent most of my childhood there. Orange is a suburb of Newark, New Jersey. It is basically a working class neighborhood. So everyone I knew, everyone's parents I knew that, that lived in the neighborhood, they all like were janitors or they were mechanics or they were, um, you know, jam- cleaning services. Um, there was a few here and there, a sprinkle of a teacher um, among the crowd. Um, but it wasn't, or they worked at the hospital. They worked in the cafeteria of the hospital. So it was those type, those type Very of functional jobs. roles. Yeah. The, yeah. Es- the essential workers. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Essential, yes. Yeah. Um, very low income. It was a high crime neighborhood. Um, most of us, in order to stay safe, soon as 6 p.m. came in, most you didn't leave the house. And I wasn't allowed really 
out to venture in the neighborhood, I could stay like within the premise, like within my mom's view. So like within the front lawn, we didn't have a lawn. It's like a city home. So picture like Brooklyn. Yeah. Right. Something similar to Brooklyn. A lot of people kind of know about Brooklyn, you know, New York or, or the Bronx where yeah. it's like, you have a, like a very small little front lawn. It's like two steps. That's your lawn. And so that's what I was allowed to do. Um, but during my, my, my uh, school age years, I um, would go around the neighbors and ask them, do you need garbage taken out? Do you need um, to shovel? You know, would you like me to shovel your steps? And I would do that with the neighborhood kids. Yeah. So I always had some kind of like pocket change or pocket money. Um, my favorite playtime happened. I, it's very interesting. When I was 11, my my mom had befriended uh, new friends in the Newark Belleville area, and they were all boys. But I was at that time I wasn't such a girly girl, and I was the tomboy. So the boys took me in. I was like another one of the boys. Like I, I was exactly the same. Yeah, I yeah, was the same. I, <laughs> I, I climbed fences. I climbed trees. So what we did, and they were older than me. And I had one like two or three older, two or three years older than me. We would get together every weekend because her, her, their parents, the boys' parents, um, they worked with my mom in a factory. And uh, yeah, in a factory at that time. And so we'd get together on the weekends and it was fun for us. We'd come up with ways of how to make money. We were already on entrepreneurs at the age of 11, 12 and 13 or so. And we had um, my so there was Andrew, who was like I was best friends with, and then there was this um, his cousin Sergio. Sergio was our manager, and he came up with ways of making money. And uh, we Christmas caroled for for change, but we made like fifty dollars each. That's amazing. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, yeah, yeah. And my mom never like she knew I'd go out and play, but she didn't know there was like yeah. out all over Newark, New Jersey, <laughs> Christmas caroling for money. Uh, we paint, we help fix things around the house. We take out people's garbage. And then it was so interesting because then our manager, quote unquote, our manager, he got more, Sergio got more inventive. He's like, you know what? I found a whole bunch of these cell phone boxes. And this is when cell phones were like. The like, thing. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't even like a thing or whatever. So he said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to fill the boxes with rocks. Okay. And we're going to stand on the corner <laughs> and we're going to sell uh these cell phones and I was like I don't think this is a good idea <laughs> it's illegal <laughs> yeah, I don't think idea. Well, you know my 11 12 year old brain I was like you know my whole thing was like what it, the type of neighborhood it was a rough neighborhood I was like what if one of these guys like get upset and want to bring in some muscle and want to like you know assault us <laughs> for mischievous and selling rocks inside a box and calling it you know something else he's like no just Make sure that these live far. Okay, we'll go to the furthest section of the town. They'll never find out. I was like, what are we supposed to do? Run it high? And for a couple things, for a couple episodes, we ran and we we hid. We like, oh my God, we have to run away from certain groups of people. Because And I was like, that's the day I kind of, you know, I hung up my towel. I was like, I'm not working for you anymore. <laughs> it starts to become too dangerous rather than yeah, a money spinning enterprise. Yeah. But you know <laughs> I'm glad because at such an early age, I had somewhat of a concept of business. There's a lot of people in business that will do anything, everything to get money and don't realize that there's some type of ethics 
and something that's right and something that's wrong. And even though I at that moment had no legal knowledge, I was like 12, um, I realized, hey, this is wrong. Like there's some repercussions here to, to this activity. I don't mind like if we make necklaces and we sell our own necklaces, but you know, the rocks inside the boxes. But I understood the manager. He was trying to make $20, $30, which back then was like so much money. A lot of money, exactly. But take yeah. it to an 11-year-old child. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So we made lots of money. So the time passed and uh, my parents moved from neighborhood to neighborhood. So I was always the new kid, um, which was really interesting. I went from living to every neighborhood that I lived in. It was predominantly a certain group that lived there. But I was always the outsider. I was always the outsider and a different one. Um, so I start school. I start my second high school. And I really didn't have a great aesthetic. I really didn't have the greatest look. And mind you, it's teenage years. Teenage years by itself, it's awkward, yeah. you know. And Odd. then, add, yeah, add being new and being new, new student. Um, I said, I realized, I started to notice, you know, social dynamics. And I realized that okay, they talk groups. People are more attracted to people who are attractive and who have the right look, the right clothes the right hair. That's, you know, what I thought then I kind of figured it out. And I was like, you know, no one's talking to me because I'm wearing like this jean for the second time this week. And my sweaters, my brothers hand me down and like, um, my sneakers have holes in them. And my dad would put like cardboard, um, on the bottom to cover up the huge hole that I had on both sneakers. Um, but it, it was, it would, that wouldn't work. It would still get wet. Um, and it looked, and it looked horrible. Mm. And then I was like, I realized, I need clothes. I need to. So I go to my dad and I say, uh, dad, I need new sneakers for school. Like I only have one pair. And he's like, Linda, that's all I can afford. So the argument started over a pair of Nike sneakers that cost a hundred dollars. And, and he's like, Linda, that's all I can afford. I bought you new ones and you have to make them last for a year. So I'm so upset. I cried the whole night. Monday, Monday comes. I refuse to get on the bus and I decided to skip school that day. Don't skip school, but I decided to skip school. I decided to skip school and I decided to walk about a mile uh, to the mall. And I was 13 and a half by then. And I looked at every every store there was and I walked into every store and asked them for a job. So I couldn't be in the main mall because the main mall they wanted, six. you had to be 14 or 15 or something like that. Back then... Uh, and this was like the late nineties, you had to be a certain age, you had to be 14 with working papers mm-hmm. you could find a job that would take you. So I walked into the grocery store, I saw a grocery store and they said, help wanted. I was like, Oh, okay, let me go and ask. So I go in and ask and I asked the manager, I was like, do you need help? Like, I have no job skill. This is my first job, but I'm like eager to do it. And so he, I fill out the application and I was ecstatic. I was so excited this was going to be my first job interview so I passed the job interview he was like well how old are you and I was like 13 and a half (laughs) I'm about to turn 14 he's like well you're kind of young you have to be at least 14 and you have to have working papers and I said I was two or three months shy and I said well what if I you know you hand me the working papers I'll go take it to my parents and to school get it filled out and then I just come here like, you know, maybe once a week or twice a week just to get trained so that when you have me like on the books, as they call it, 
I'm already trained and ready to go. So he liked that idea. <laughs> he was like, don't tell anyone. Sorry, I'm telling the world. But anyhow. Um, <laughs> you haven't said who, we're okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was so long ago. But it, um, so I got the job. I got the job. It was the greatest moment of my life. I was like, I'm going places here. And my salary, and I, I usually don't mention salaries in, in my podcast because I'm very protective. And, um, you know, the world is very large and sometimes malicious. But um, I will talk, talk about starting salaries. So my starting salary at the grocery store, which I had to work really hard for, was $4.75. And you clearly remember it down to the Oh, I cent. do. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, within six months of, of the starting, thank God for, like, minimum wages and minimum wage laws here in, like, the state of New Jersey and the United States. Within six months, they had raised the minimum wage. So then I was at $5.15. Yes. You've made it. <laughs> oh, I made it, yeah. So my job at the at the grocery store, and it was such hard work for such little money. It was like um I had to push carts, collect all the carts, and there was no cart machine because now they have cart machines. Like, mm-hmm. oh, we made this job easier. Um, so I had to push carts, gather carts, bag groceries. My face would be frozen because I started like in the winter. So I would have like this huge like uh, winter burn on my face. My hands would be chapped and cut from just everyone wanted paper inside of paper for whatever reason for the to bag their groceries. And I was within the first three or four months, and it's like starting to get so miserable of the job because it was so it was such hard work and for such little pay. Mm. But I will tell you, within the first two weeks, I saved up money and I bought myself my sneakers. <laughs> I will be back after this short break. Financial awareness is not taught in enough schools, which means children are not receiving the level of information needed to help them become money savvy. With 87% of 11 to 18 year olds saying they have limited knowledge about managing money. Only 4 in 10 children and young people saying they've had some financial education at school and research demonstrating that those who don't receive financial education as a child are more likely to be unemployed or earning less today than those who did. This is why I have developed the Money and Mindset Made Simple for Teenagers online self-paced programme to help our children to empower their knowledge of and relationship with money. As a parent, you want to equip your children with the essential life skills to allow them to thrive in today's fast-moving world. So go to the show notes to access full details for the programme. If you are a school or institute that would like to use the programme under licence, then reach out directly to me via email leslie at the money confidence academy.com now let's return to the show well done and i can imagine what a feeling that must have been yeah i had a really nice fresh pair of sneakers i was like oh yes you know but you know what talking about money confidence that small little purchase that i did which i had to work and earn for it that gave me having fresh pair of sneakers gave me confidence to start talking to other kids in school, especially, you know, being new. I didn't feel like, okay, I wasn't going to be the 
the, you know, target of jokes, yeah. right? And all the bullying or anything like that. So that, okay, that gave me a little bit of boost. I was like, okay, yes. And then I started making friends at work because a lot of the teenagers started to get employed at the same grocery store and they went to the same school that I went to. So, yes. So, um, so I got, got my first paycheck. But within the first six months, I was starting to get tired of the job. It was very exhausting. Um, grocery workers, you guys do a lot of work. It's very hard work working at a grocery store. Um, and I, I had a really negative, I started to have a real negative mindset at that moment. You know, I started hating it. I started dread, dreading going to work. I was like, oh, you know, it's not too much to pay. Why am I doing this for? Oh, I'm miserable. And then I caught myself. At such an early age, I was, by then I was 14 and I realized if I don't change my mental, if I don't change and turn this into something positive, I'm just going to end up torturing myself. You know, work is going to end up being torturous. But that's know? a very, that's a very astute thought process to have as a 14 year old. How yes. do you, how were you able to have that at that age with, you know, teenage hormones going on and everything that you were dealt with at school etc how were you able to have that conversation with yourself at that time you know I was very mature for my age I was always reading I mean I, I was a gifted and talented student in grade school and I was always reading I was always reading self-help books and that's one of the things that caught the manager's eyes at the grocery store and and then he was like Linda you're always reading you know I'm not reading magazines I'm bringing books on philosophy and reading it on my lunch hour or my 15 minute break or whatnot. He's like, you're always reading. I'm like, well, yes, you know, I get bored. You know, I love to read. It's my hobby. Uh, so I realized that, and I'm so glad I realized that at, at 14, that I really needed to change my mindset with regards to work. I didn't want it to be torturous, but um, with regards to year, um, a year passes by at the grocery store and actually eight months into the job. I realized, and this is how I started to change my mindset. Well, I need to change my mindset, be a little bit more positive about work. But then I figured out something. I was like, hmm, I see these cashiers here. How they get this job? It looks easier than the job that I have. Because I was also your cleanup at, you know, it's some. there was a disaster on aisle eight of the pasta aisle. I was they called you. Yeah, they called me. I was your cleanup girl. And I was also janitorial as well. I had to clean bathrooms. Um, so I was like, how do I get out of this job? You know? And then my wonderful, one of my first managers, I still keep in contact with her today. Love her. Uh, I asked her, I was like, Hey, um, um, M I'll just call her M cause I don't, you know, Miss M, how do, how do you become a cashier? What do you have to do to become a cashier? It looks like an easier job. And she was like, well, you have to study. You have to study for a month. You have to learn all the, um, uh, grocery codes and all the rules. And then you have to take a test. And I was like, well, is the test hard? You think I'll be able to pass it? She's like, I think if you study, you'll be able to pass it. So uh, eight months into the job, I, I study. I take the test. I pass the test. And I become a cashier. Yeah, that was uh, that was such a change. First of all, I wasn't out in the cold. I didn't have to clean up on aisle eight. Now I have to deal with the customers a little bit more. No one trained me for that. That was <laughs> something completely different. And yeah. there was retail and grocery stores and people's personalities it's a whole other that it honestly that should be a high school or college course how to deal with people one-on-one because that would really help a whole bunch of people a um, practical psychology lesson yes, yeah. Practical psychology. yeah 
regards to it. And yeah. like, and also being hit on, um, I was only, you know, 14 and a half at that time, 14 and a half and being hit on by older gentlemen, you know, uh, the art, but I had, I, I walked in and I had such a wonderful group of people, my manager and so on. He would, he would cut that out real quick. Or if I had an older coworker that was like, uh, being a bit, um, I don't know how to say, it, uh, persuasive or, you know, almost wanting to act like he wanted to have me as a girlfriend or anything like that. The managers put that out real quick and they come over and they talk to me and they'd be like, I know you're young or whatever, but you know, so-and-so works here, but he's so much older. It's so not allowed, you know, and they would talk to me like they would talk to their own kid or whatnot. So that really helped. And that, and I was always like very kind of scared of the world too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, very scared of the world. Like, okay. You know, and, and, and I listened and I also knew how to listen to good advice which not a lot of people do. I just, I had that knack, like, okay, I feel like this person has the best intention and mm-hmm. telling me um, good advice for my, my own good. Mm-hmm. So that happens. I was there for like a year and a half, almost two years. They moved me. They promote me to head cashier manager of all the cashiers. I'm 15 years old. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm a manager already at 15. But I got upset because I didn't get a, a raise. See, for me, in my mind, at that young age and that young brain, I thought of, okay, um, more responsibility should equal more money. I yeah. should at least get a dollar mm-hmm. more than being a cashier. But they didn't. My race came and it was only a quarter. And I was like, it was a lot of responsibility. And I had to handle a lot of my classmates that were also in school and like, running their breaks and they come and complain. And sometimes they'd complain like at school, like, Oh, you know, I want my break at this time or whatever, because they were going to meet their boyfriend, you know, or whatever. And I was like, this is, this is just too much of a hassle <laughs> for, you know, the little amount that quarter race for me, I'm out of here. <laughs> good and then you. I, yeah. I'm like, I'm out of here. <laughs> this is too much. So then I went, went to the mall. Skip. Sorry. I skipped school again <laughs> because let's, let's face it. When you need to handle, take care of business, for the most part, it's nine to five, right? So if you're going to go and apply for a job, especially like retail, it you got to catch your man- the managers at that time. You fill out the application on site. It was a paper application. And they interview you on the spot. So again, I skipped school again. <laughs> I wasn't the best high school student. Um, so I skipped school again, went to all the department stores, went and um, applied for a job. A manager comes down. They're like, oh, we need someone. I applied at Macy's. Hi, Macy's. And uh, (laughs) I applied at Macy's. I was 15 at the time. And luckily, I didn't realize how much luck it was. They needed temporary help for the holidays. And I said, okay. He's like, my manager was like, it's temporary. But if we like you, you know, we can keep you afterwards. And you have a sign-on bonus of $200. And I was like, yeah, sure. And I was like, so how, how much is salary? <laughs> and he was like, it's $7 an hour. But wait, hold up. Plus commission. So I was like, oh, okay. That, yeah, that is phenomenal for me. I was like, oh my God. It's just like, I can make eight or nine or even $10 an hour. If, like I sell whatever. And my first month on the job, I'm 15, have my working papers. I worked a lot. I worked um, 20, 25 hours a week. While I was still in school, uh, 20, 25 hours while I was still in school, 
And um, so school became, started to become a bit of a challenge for me. Um, in retail, you, you work till 10 p.m. Sometimes you work till 11. Sometimes my manager would get um, a bit in trouble because they forget that I was underage. Mm. They would just my maturity level and like how I wanted to work. And so sometimes they'd forget and I'd stay later. And then they're like, Linda, no, you have to remind me to send you home at a certain time because you can't stay too late. But with me, I was like, I just want to make, you know, the extra $10 an hour or whatnot. And I ended up working there four and a half years. I made amazing money at that time. Um, astronomical. I, I didn't realize until later on how much money I was making. Uh, at that time that when I started working, the economy was still good here in the United States. And um, people lived for the Joneses and they lived to compete. I don't know who these Joneses are, but they lived to compete <laughs> with them. And they lived to like be outlandish. They lived on credit card, credit card, credit, you know, everyone that you when they opened their wallets as as uh, as uh, customers, they have 15 credit cards to department stores. So commission in those days were phenomenal. Mm. My coworker made a career of being a salesperson. He had been a salesperson for 20 years. Mm. At, at that time, all the salespeople came in in suits. Uh, he was making an astronomical amount. He was making 70000 a year as a salesperson. Which is excellent. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. we're talking about for his career it was the 1980s, 1990s. Yeah. It's like, wow. So for a, for a while, I thought, hey, you know, I can stick to this job. I can stay here. You know, I can make a decent amount. But for me, you know, things would change and would change quickly. Um, the economy started to slow down. So my first year, second year was great. The last couple, two years there, not so great. Um, at that time, I had bought myself a car. I paid for the car insurance. I helped with groceries. I helped mom, you know, with rent as well. Um, it got to a point where school, I felt very mature for my age. And I almost felt like, uh, they had removed me from gifted and talented classes. So I like to learn quickly and, and learn quickly, learn fast. Um, if I, if, if a classroom goes too slow or a teacher goes too slow and teaching me something, I lose interest very quickly. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm all about accelerated learning. Yeah. So school became very challenging. I decided to, that I wanted to work full time and to drop out. So that was a, a very, um, hard, um, a very hard decision for me to make. Um, I didn't want to make it. I tried. I'd go to summer school and make up any class I had to make up. I had one teacher that was absolutely horrible. And um, she, like, I, for whatever reason, I became her target. She was a history teacher. I became her target. And she would, like, put me in a group with other students that were bad performers put me in charge of the group. I ended up doing a whole group project by myself because I didn't get along with these other students. She, I'm in summer school. It's like my last, almost my last year that I attended school on a regular basis. Uh, she walks by my locker. She made sure that nobody was in the hallway. She's like, so just to let you know, Linda, that I failed you. And what are you going to do now? Are you going to work at Macy's for the rest of your life? So I got so upset. And I was like, I slammed the locker, you know, um, very upset. And I was like, I realized in my head, I internalized that. I was like, I don't have to pull. Like I put up with, you know, my bosses, my coworkers. I put up with like, you know, customers at work. 
why am I putting up with this lady? Like yeah. she's been so mean to me for like no reason. Um, she doesn't understand or rationalize why I even have to work. You know, I wanted I worked so I can put on clothes, and that's what Macy's gave me. Macy's gave me a lot of confidence. I was able with my employee discount, the two hundred dollars sign on bonus to buy clothes, to have outfits, to to wear some designer outfits. I started to make more friends, and school became more uh, pleasant to attend. Um, so maybe it was that, but she didn't really understand it. And I, you know, we all have bullies in life, mm-hmm. and it, sometimes bullies come as, as other students, coworkers, teachers. And I felt so bullied by her. I slammed the door to my rocker and I said, "You know what? All I'm going to tell you is that I'm going to make more money than you." That's what I said to her. I'm going to make more money than you. I know you don't understand everything, um, but this is like, I kind of just shrugged it off, you know? And what I did was the day after I marched into the office and I said, I found out that you can drop out. I looked it up and you can drop out at 17. So I'd like to drop out please. But then it brought me shame because my mom at the age of 40, she graduated with her GED. So I knew in my family's history that we had such an itch issue with education. It seems like we were cursed. Like we couldn't surpass, we couldn't pass high school. So I was like, I want to quit school. And then I found out, I read it, that uh, that you could drop out at 17. And yeah. then I also found out that my the same high school that I, was so horrible during the day, because, you know, the kids start fighting, there's so many fights and clicks and so much high school drama, really. And I was so above that. I was like, I'm, I already knew what the real world was like. I just like, you know, can I punch in, punch out, do what I have to do and leave and, you know, live the rest of my life. So I I signed myself out at 17, drop out. And then I, I marched to, um, to two offices over to the right. And I realized that our my, my school had a night school for night students. So I marched in. I was like, I'd like to sign up for night school, please. Um, I realized that high school, attending high school during the night would be so much easier for me. And I didn't want to do the GED route. Uh, I knew GED was actually harder than graduating from high mm-hmm. school. So I signed up and um, my grades skyrocketed yeah. from being a CD student, maybe one occasionally a B to being an A, B student. And you found so the right my- way to do it for you. Yeah, yeah, I skyrocketed because I would work during the day. It was I felt more like a, a balance for me. I would work during the day, and then I would go to school at night. And I would either take a cab or I'd ask my dad to give me a ride. Um, I didn't still. I was seven. I didn't have a car till I was like nineteen, and I was saving up. That's another reason why I was also working to save up to buy myself a car. So um, I did night school, and I would come in. All the kids had their own stories. You know, they had life, real life stories. And I still felt lucky. Like my whole thing was like, I was just trying to support myself and help my parents where, where I could. Um, the other students were like, you know, a lot of pregnant teenage moms, a lot of the kids that had been in juvie. So that was my crowd. Yeah. And then I had the, and then I had the adult students. Um, and I had my, my class valedictorian for the night school was an 80 year old woman. And I love that she was our valedictorian. That's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. She was eight years old graduating from high school. And she was like, you don't understand. Back in my days, you know, when I was 14, 
the woman's career was to get married, you know, and that's what I did. I got married and raised kids and then I had to raise the grandchildren. And she's like, you never stop learning and it's never too late. So she's, she's still the, the valedictorian for my high school, night school. She's still in my head and she's been such an inspiration since then. Which is marvelous. Yeah, it is marvelous. Yeah. I'm really conscious of the time and taking up your time. If I can ask you one question just to kind of round things off. So let's take us right forward to now. Yes. What does Linda do now? Oh my God, Linda makes more money than I thought I would I would have made. I, I have excelled in my career. I'm in my one, two, three, I'm in my fourth college degree. I am pursuing academic, right now, first and foremost, is my academic career. I get to do uh, public speaking. I get to speak at universities and colleges. Um, I it's, it's talk about education. I've had wonderful money breaks as well. I've been shareholder of a company. That was the greatest money and the company sold. That was the greatest money opportunity that I had. And my greatest advice to people is um, budget, budget hard. If you ever come across money, you get get that money break where you, okay, I have a more than, than enough that I've had. Um, don't get too excited. Take the money, write it down, and plan it out. Don't get so excited that you purchase, purchase, purchase. Know what you have to pay. Pay things down. And if you can spread it out for the next couple of years, do that as well. So it's that's my money story. And yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And it's the early start of my money story. Um, but there's more to hear on my podcast at Linda Love Talks. Uh, the podcast is on Spotify, so you'll you'll hear snippets of my career. But yes, currently I've I worked in major corporations, major uh, Fortune 500, Fortune 1000 companies. Uh, I've been on TV a few times. So it's amazing. I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's been a, a 180. A yeah. complete. I never realized that I would be where where I am. I graduated from the George Washington University uh, in Washington, D.C., and being a first-generation um, American to graduate in our state, in United States Capitol, was such an experience and a surreal experience. That's brilliant. Absolutely yeah, brilliant. I've, yeah, I've, I've uh, met many um, celebrities as well through work, lots of opportunities. So it's been very interesting. It's no. it, yeah, it's been a whole 360. I am where I'm not supposed to be, I feel like. I love that. I love that. I am where I'm not supposed to be. Thank you for sharing your story yeah. with us. It has been really, really interesting and inspirational. How can people connect with you? Oh, absolutely. You can connect with me via LinkedIn. Um, if you look up my name, Linda Lemos, you can also connect with me on uh, Facebook, Linda Love Talks on Facebook. Uh, that's where I am, those two platforms. And I look forward um, to hearing from all of you as well. And I love this talk, Leslie. I really do. And I love my humble beginnings. I never shy away from them. Absolutely. We we are, you know, we are what we are, basically, and never shy away from it. Very often there's learnings that, that come, obviously, but we we are what we started off as and how we developed. And I'm really, really pleased that you've shared your experience and where you are today with us. Thank you very much for your time. All of your contact details will be in the show notes, including your podcast, so people can easily reach out and connect with you. 
Thank you Absolutely. very Thank much you for your so time. Much. I really appreciate it. Speak Have a good one. Take care. Thanks very much for listening to the latest episode of the Let's Talk Money and More podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to better understand your relationship with money, then please head to the resources section on my website, the Money Confidence Academy, and download my monthly money mindset audit. This will allow you to create a benchmark for where your relationship with money is right now and allow you to continue to measure it on a monthly basis as you do the inner work to improve it. You will also find a copy of my Money Archetypes Assessment at the same time, which will allow you to start to really understand which are your three primary money archetypes driving your relationship with money and how to use this information to make, spend, keep and invest more money. Or if you are a female online business owner, why not join my free Money Confidence community over on Facebook? A link to the group and other ways to connect with me can be found in the show notes. Finally, if you have enjoyed listening to the podcast, please do tell others about it. And I would love it if you rated it and gave a review.